Frequency Radio. Behold, the days shall come that they which dwell upon earth shall be taken in a great number, and the way of truth shall be hidden, and the land shall be barren of faith. Welcome, friends. I'm your host, Zen Garcia. This is Secrets Revealed here on Truth Frequency Radio. We are continuing our Genesis Revisited series, and I am joined by my good friend Rob Skiba is co-host. Rob, are you there, brother? I am here. Zen, how are you? Doing good, man. Uh, how was your day? And uh, I don't know how the weather was there. It's kind of rainy here. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I get a lot done during the winters. Yeah, kind of rainy and miserable here. <laughs> yeah, uh, same here. It was one of those yeah, days where... forces he... you to be inside. Yeah, it was one of those days where it didn't even really feel like waking up. <laughs> it's just like laying yeah, there going, yeah. yeah, what's the point, you know? Yeah, yeah, right on. Yeah, even my cat didn't go outside today. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Man, boy, wow. You know, I I posted the show that we did, you know, the pre-recorded show. Um, uh-huh. And I, I streamed it live last night, uh, and, of course, it ran on TFR. But, wow, I mean, the negative comments are just... It's, oh my goodness! It, it boggles my mind, dude. Like I just, I don't, right. I yeah. really don't get it. And yeah, I shouldn't care, but I do care. You know what I mean? It's like you know, I just want people to understand. Hey, all we're trying to do is right help you, but you know, help you exactly lead a horse to water, kind of thing. <laughs> you can't make them drink right. it. <clears throat> but wow, right. I just man, I yeah. don't get it. I have had a lot of people reach out to me though. I um, must have had like. 40 or 50 emails from people that are interested. Wow, that's good. And so, yeah, there there, there are those, you know, that um, I, I guess maybe not outspoken with regard to the to the comments, but that are quietly intrigued. And so um, I'm sending them information, and uh, they're slowly getting set up on platform. And so hopefully we will have a positive effect, you know, and really help to uh, help others that, may otherwise not have had the opportunity so yeah well yeah <clears throat> um i'm trying to think of where we left off uh i believe we left off in genesis 26 we haven't read yet and <clears throat> joshua 25 i think does that sound about right to you yeah i can tell you where i am with the targum here in just a second Section six. Yep, I think so. Yep. Okay. So um, I think we'll let you catch <clears throat> up since I did a lot of the reading in the end. 
Yeah, you. Uh, well, I, I listened to the tail end of our show that we the last one we did. Uh, wow, a lot of cool stuff about the um, yeah the rod and the garments and all that. Right, right. Very interesting. Yeah, I even saw some commentary that you know people uh, thought that the you know especially the last thirty minutes that the that would be a whole study in and of itself. <laughs> no so. doubt. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I could I could certainly see that. Um, well, I think we've lagged behind a bit in Joshua. Last I remember was reading Joshua 24. And I th- think in Genesis we are, uh, well, it was the birthright, right? That was sold. And, yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now we're th- to the generations <clears throat> of... Well, yeah, Genesis 26 is... It was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. So it's Isaac going to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. Well, let me go ahead and read Joshua 25 and see where that takes us, I guess. Um. Okay. Joshua 25. And it was at that time that Abraham again took a wife in his old age, and her name was Keturah, from the land of Canaan. And she bare unto him Zimram, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak and Shuak being six sons and the children of Zimran were Abihan, Molech and Nirim and the sons of Jokshan were Sheba and Dedan and the sons of Medan were Amida, Joab, Gochi Elisha and Nachak and the sons of Midian were Ephah, Ephur Hanak, Abida and Eldaah and the sons of Ishbak were Mekiro, Beodia, and Tador. And the sons of Shuak were Bildad, Mamdad, Munam, and Miban. All these are the families of the children of Keturah, the Canaanitish woman, which she bare unto Abraham the Hebrew. And Abraham went all these, sent all these away and gave them gifts. And they went from his son Isaac to dwell wherever they should find a place. And all these went to the mountain at the east, and they built themselves six cities in which they dwelt unto this day. But the children of Sheba and Dedan, children of Jokshan, with their children did not dwell with their brethren in their cities, and they journeyed and encamped in the countries and wilderness unto this day. And the children of Midian, son of Abraham, went to the east of the land of Cush, and they there found a large city, uh, large valley in the eastern country, and they remained there and built a city, and they dwelt therein, that is the land of Midian unto this day. And Midian dwelt in the city which he built, and he and his five sons and all belonging to him. And these are the names of the sons of Midian according to their names in their cities. Ephah, Ephah, Kanak, Abida, and Eldaah. And the sons of Ephah are Methak, oh brother, here we go. Mishar, Avi, and Sunua, and the sons of Ephah were Ephron, uh, Zur, Elirim, and Medan, and the sons of Hanak were Reuel, Reuel, Rechem, Azi, Aloshub, and Alad, and the sons of Abida were Chur, Milad, Kiruri, Molki, and the sons of Eldaa were Mil- Miker and Reba, and Malchia and Gabal. 
These are the names of the Midianites according to their families, and afterward the families of Midian spread throughout the land of Midian. And these are the generations of Ishmael, the son of Abraham, whom Hagar, Sarah's handmaid, bare unto Abraham. And Ishmael took a wife from the land of Egypt, and her name was Reba, and the same is Meribah. And Reba bare unto Ishmael Nabayuth, Kedar, Adbiel, Mibzam, and their sister Bosmath. And Ishmael cast away his wife Reba, as she went from him and returned to Egypt to the house of her father, and she dwelt there, and she had been very for she had been very bad in the sight of Ishmael and in the sight of his father Abraham. And Ishmael afterward took a wife from the land of Canaan, and her name was Malkuth, and she bare unto him Nishma, Duma, Masa, Kadad, uh, Tima, Yitur, Nafish, and Kidma. These are the sons of Ishmael, and these are their names, being twelve princes according to their nations, and the families of Ishmael afterwards spread forth. And Ishmael took his children and all the property that he had gained together with the souls of his household and all belonging to him, and they went to dwell where they should find a place. And they went and dwelt near the wilderness of Paran, and their dwelling was from Havalah unto Shur, that is, before Egypt, as thou goest toward Assyria. And Ishmael and his sons dwelt in the land, and they had children born to them, and they were fruitful and increased abundantly. And these are the names of the sons of Nabaioth, the firstborn of Ishmael, Mind, Send, Mayon, and the sons of Kedar were Alion, Kizem, Chamad, and Eli. And the sons of Adbiel were Chamad and Jabin, and the sons of Mibsam were Obadiah, Abedmelech, uh, and Yush. And these, these are the families of the children of Reba, the son of Ishmael. And the sons of Mishma, the son of Mishmael, were Shemua, Zacharion, and Obed. And the sons of Duma were Kizad, Eli, Machmad, and Ahmed. And the sons of Masa were Milan, Mula, and Ebedadun. And the sons of Kadad were Azur, Minzar, Ebedmelech. And the sons of Tima were Seir, Sadon, and Yakul. And the sons of Yatur were Mirith, Yaish, Alyo, and Pakuth. And the sons of Nefish were Abed, Temed, Abiyasaf, and Mer. And the sons of Kedma were Caleb, Takti, and Omer. And these were the children of Makuth, the wife of Ishmael, according to their families. All these are the families of Ishmael, according to their generations. And they dwelt in the, those lands wherein they had built themselves cities unto this day. And Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the wife of Abraham's son Isaac, was barren in those days, and she had no offspring. And Isaac dwelt with his father in the land of Canaan. And the Lord was with Isaac, and Arphaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, died in those days, in the forty-eighth year of the life of Isaac. And all the days of Arphaxad lived were four hundred and thirty-eight years, and she died. Some of this sounds really familiar to me, but I can't remember if it was the same thing that we just read in uh, Jubilees. Difference, yeah. And and I'm having trouble seeing if uh, if Abraham's still alive at this point. I guess we'll find out. I'll keep going. I'll keep going until Isaac goes to uh, the Philistines, uh, which will catch us up to Genesis. And in the 59th year of the life of Isaac, the son of Abraham, 
Rebekah, his wife, was still barren in those days. And Rebekah said unto Isaac, Truly I have heard, my lord, that thy mother Sarah was barren in her days until my lord Abraham, thy father, prayed for her, and she conceived by him. Now therefore stand up, pray thou also to God, and he will hear thy prayer and remember us through his mercies. And Isaac answered his wife Rebekah, saying, Abraham has already prayed for me to God to multiply his seed. Now therefore this barrenness must proceed to us from thee. And Rebekah said unto him, But arise now thou also and pray, that the Lord may hear thy prayer and grant me children. And Isaac hearkened to the words of his wife. And Isaac and his wife rose up and went to the land of Moriah to pray there and to seek the Lord. And when they had reached that place, Isaac stood up and prayed to the Lord on account of his wife, because she was barren. And Isaac said, O Lord God of heaven and earth, whose goodness and mercies fill the earth, thou who didst take my father from my father's house and from his birthplace and didst bring him unto this land and didst say unto him to thy seed will I give the land and thou didst promise him and didst declare unto him I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand of the sea now may thy words be verified which thou didst speak unto my father for thou art the Lord our God our eyes are toward thee to give us seed of men as thou didst promise us for thou art the Lord our God and our eyes are directed toward thee only and the Lord heard the prayer of Isaac, and this, the son of Abraham. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And in about seven months after, the children could struggle together within her. And it pained her greatly that she was, bar- was wearied on account of them. And she said to all the women who were then in the land, Did such a thing happen to you as to me? And they said unto her, No. And she said unto them, Why am I alone in this amongst all the women that were upon the earth? And she went to the land of Moriah to seek the Lord on account of this. And she went to Shem and Eber, his son, to make inquiries of them in this matter, and that they should seek the Lord in this thing respecting her. And she also asked Abraham, so Abraham's still alive. I must have read this before. And she also asked Abraham. So, let me see here. A month ago, we were in Joshua 24. Um... Let me look at the archives. Possibly during the Enoch reading, as well, because we did we did read a lot of uh, some of these stories during. Well, and that's what's that kind of confusing me because I know there's a lot of overlap with the the various yeah. texts, you know, saying the same thing. Let me just right. do a quick look back on uh, last week. Um, okay, so then on December 24th, that's the one we, I got to Joshua 24. January 4th, it doesn't say I read from Joshua, but that doesn't mean I didn't do it. Well, of course, you were reading from uh, Legends of the Jews, which is almost identical to mm-hmm, right. Joshua. Maybe that's why it sounds so yeah, similar. similar. It just seems like, because we're going to get to the part, oh, okay, I did read. Okay, Joshua 25, sorry, I read, so on January 7th, uh, okay. I read Joshua 25 to, to 27, okay. so I'm like, good grief, this all sounds so familiar. Sorry about mm-hmm. that. So I read through 27, because I knew we got to uh, Esau killing Nimrod. All right, sorry mm-hmm. about that. Now we're caught up. So we'll go to <laughs> Joshua 28. I had to read all those names for nothing. <laughs> Dang it! Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good fun for you. Yeah. Uh, well, usually we we talk about you know current events and whatever for the first fifteen minutes of our shows anyway. So yeah. well, we're back on yeah. target again, starting about fifteen minutes right. into the broadcast. Right. Okay, Joshua chapter twenty-eight. And in those days, after the death of Abraham, 
In the year the Lord brought a heavy famine in the land, and whilst the famine was raging in the land of Canaan, Isaac rose up to go down to Egypt on account of the famine, as his father Abraham had done. And the Lord appeared that night to Isaac, and he said to him, Do not go down to Egypt, but rise and go to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, and remain there till the famine shall cease. Yes, this is what Genesis 26 is about. Uh, and Isaac rose up and went to Gerar, as the Lord commanded him, and remained there a full year. And when Isaac came to Gerar, the people of the land saw that Rebekah, his wife, was a beautiful appearance. And the people of Gerar asked Isaac concerning his wife, and he said, She is my sister, for he was afraid to say she was his wife, lest the people of the land should slay him on account of her. And the princes of Abimelech went and praised the woman to the king, and he answered them not, neither did he attend to their words. But he heard them say that Isaac declared her to be his sister. So the king reserved this within himself. And when Isaac had remained three months in the land, Abimelech looked out the window, and he saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah his wife. And Isaac dwelt in the outer house belonging to the king, so that the house of Isaac was opposite the house of the king. And the king said unto Isaac, what is this thou hast done to us, saying of thy wife, she is my sister? How easily might one of my great men of the people have lain with her, and thou wouldst then have brought guilt upon us? And Isaac said unto Abimelech, Because I was afraid, lest I die on account of my wife. Therefore I said, She is my sister. At that time Abimelech gave orders to all his princes and great men, and they took Isaac and Rebekah his wife, and brought them before the king. And the king commanded that they should dress them in princely garments and make them ride through the streets of the city and proclaim before them throughout the land, saying, This is the man and this is his wife. Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely die. And Isaac returned with his wife to the king's house, and the Lord was with Isaac and continued to wax great and lack nothing. And the Lord caused Isaac to find favor in the sight of Abimelech, and in the sight of all his subjects. And Abimelech acted well with Isaac, for Abimelech remembered the oath and covenant that existed between his father and Abraham. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Behold, the whole earth is before thee. Dwell wherever it may seem good in thy sight, until thou shalt return to thy land. And Abimelech gave Isaac fields and vineyards, and the best part of the land of Gerar, to sow and reap, and eat the fruits of the ground, until the day of the famine should have passed by. And Isaac sowed in that land, and received a hundredfold in the same year, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great, and he had possession of flocks, and possession of herds, and great store of servants. And when the days of famine had passed away, the Lord appeared to Isaac, and said unto him, Rise up, go forth from this place, and return to thy land, to the land of Canaan. And Isaac rose up, and returned to Hebron, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all belonging to him, as the Lord commanded him. And after this, Shelach, the son of Arphaxad, died in that year, which is the eighteenth year of the lives of Jacob and Esau. And all the days that Shelach lived were four hundred and thirty-three years, and he died. At that time, Isaac sent his younger son Jacob to the house of Shem and Eber, and he learned the instructions of the Lord. And Jacob remained in the house of Shem and Eber for thirty-two years. And Esau, his brother, did not go, for he was not willing to go. And he remained in his father's house in the land of Canaan. And Esau was continually hunting in the fields and bringing home what he could get. So did Esau all the days. And Esau was, des designing and was a designing and deceitful man, 
one who hunted after the hearts of men and inviggled them. And Esau was a valiant man in the field. And in the course of time, went as usual to hunt. He came as far as the field of Seir, the same as Edom. And he remained in the land of Seir, hunting in the field a year and four months. And Esau there saw in the land of Seir the daughter of a man of Canaan, and her name was Jehudith, the daughter of Beeri, son of Ephor, from the families of Heth, the son of Canaan. And Esau took her for a wife, and he came unto her. Forty years old was Esau when he took her. And he brought her to Hebron, the land of his father's dwelling place, and he dwelt there. And it came to pass in those days, in the hundred and tenth year of the life of Isaac, that is in the fiftieth year of the life of Jacob, in the year died Shem, the son of Noah. Shem was six hundred years old at his death. And when Shem died, Jacob returned to his father to Hebron, which is in the land of Canaan. And in the fifty-sixth year of the life of Jacob, people came from Haran, and Rebekah was told concerning her brother Laban, the son of Methuel. For the wife of Laban was barren in those days, and bare no children, and also all his handmaids bare none to him. And the Lord afterward remembered Abinah, the son of Le the wife of Laban, and she conceived and bare twin daughters. And Laban called the names of his daughters the name of the elder Leah and the name of the younger Rachel. And those people came and told these things to Rebekah. And Rebekah rejoiced greatly that the Lord had visited her and that he had got children. Okay, so that should take us easily up to Genesis 26, maybe even 27. Uh, you want me to keep going here, or we're going to get ready to go to break? Sure. Okay. Uh, I'll go yeah, we still got some time. Over to Genesis chapter 26. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Drar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down unto Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed will I give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice, and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And Isaac dwelt in Gerar. And the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, She is my sister, for he feared to say she is my wife, lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. And it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah's wife. And Abimelech said, What is this thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly have lain with thy wife, and thou shouldst have brought guilt upon us. And Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He that touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And Isaac sowed in the land, and received in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great, and went forward, and grew until he became very great. For he had possessed possession of flocks, and possession of herds, and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. For all the wells which his father's servants digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than me, 
And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham, and he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdsmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Esek, because they strove with him. And they digged another well and drove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And they removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And he went from thence to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared unto him that same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, the fa thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. And Abimelech went to him from Gerar and Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Phicol, the chief captain of his army. And Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come ye to me, saying, Ye hate me, and have sent me away from you? And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. And he said, Let there now be an oath betwixt us, even betwixt us and thee, and let us make a covenant with thee, that thou wilt do us no hurt, as we have not touched thee, and as we have done unto thee nothing but good, and have sent thee away in peace. Thou art now the blessed of the Lord. And he made them a feast, and they did eat and drink. And they rose up betimes in the morning, and swore unto another, one another, and Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told them concerning the well, which they digged, and said unto him, We have found water. And he called it Sheba, therefore the name of the city is Beersheba unto this day. And Esau was forty years old when he took a wife, Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and Bashamath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, which were a grief of mind unto Isaac and Rebekah. That sounded familiar to me too, but um, I don't know if I had read that before, but anyway, that's pretty much what we just read in Joshua takes us up there. Joshua had a lot more detail, of course. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll read the Targum and then I want to uh, read, well, when we come back, um, I'll read from something else that I found that confirmed the story we talked about last show. All right, we'll be right back, everyone. Extendivite is more than just a heart tonic. Do you have any of these symptoms? Night cramps in the hands and feet. Your arms and legs often go to sleep. On short walks, do your legs get aches and pains? Is your memory worse than it used to be? Ankles that swell late in the day? Has your blood pressure increased lately? If you answered yes to even one of these questions, you may have early warning signs of arterial blockages. Your body is saying that it is time to take Extendivite. These are not the normal signs of aging. They are the warning signs that accompany blocked arteries. Get your Extendivite today. Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two-month supply. To get started, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. 
or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with ExtendoVite. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. If you have hard water, the LimeScale not only leaves white spots, it clogs pipes and breaks down appliances, costing you hundreds of dollars in energy and wear. Eliminate LimeScale and other water issues like ground staining and bad odors with HydroCare water products available from Wave Home Solutions. Wave's affordable water systems don't use salts or chemicals. You'll love the way your water tastes, smells, and looks. Satisfaction guaranteed. For more information, go to bestwater123.com. That's bestwater123.com. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death. This is Uncle Walt from the Ironworks. Josh, Corey, and I have chosen to look at life with no fear. No fear of the unknown. No fear of questions about the supposedly well-known. No fear of ridicule for thinking outside the familiar fool's lines. No fear of the boot on the neck of those refusing the party line. No fear of taking on those so convinced of their beliefs they would sooner drink the Kool-Aid than believe they've been fools made. In this world filled with me too, cattle think, can truth's protective layers be peeled back to show the tender juicy pink? Are we all just grist for the mill? Souls sold against our will or is that just how it feels? When you're filled to the realm with TVality so fear filled and grim, break clear of the fear right here. Tuesdays and Fridays at 2 a.m. on TFR. Josh and I and you will hammer out the impurities of technology-driven groupthink, fold in a dash of logic, and quench it all with a bit of absurdity. The Ironworks, break clear of the fear. We are TFR. My fated destiny is all I need to prevail. And in those days, there were giants in the land, and the sons of the angels of God looked upon the daughters of men and found them fair, and took of them wives, and their sons became of old great men of renown. So they have been mixing with us on a genetic level since the time of Enoch and Ezekiel's will. All right, welcome back, everybody, for a second portion. I'm going to read chapter 25 from the Aramaic Targum, and then I'll pick up with... Um, I had mentioned um, previously how I remembered reading one other passage uh, about the Sword of Methuselah and some mm, of the very cool. uh, information about that, and so I'll read that after this. Um, these are the generations of Isaac bar Abraham. 
And because the appearance of its, uh, let me share my my screen as well. Cool. And what are you reading from? This is the Targum, the Aramaic Targum. Targum. The Targum version right. of Genesis 26 or what? Yeah, 25. Oh, 25. Okay, cool. Yeah. These are the generations of Itzhak bar Abraham, and because the appearance of Itzhak resembled the appearance of Abraham, the sons of men said, In truth, Abraham begat Itzhak. And Itzhak was the son of 40 years when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramite, who was of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramite, unto him for a wife. And Itzhak went to the mountain of worship, the place where his father had bound him. And Itzhak in his prayer turned the attention of the Holy One, blessed be he, from that which he had decreed concerning him, who had been childless. And he was enlarged, and Rebekah his wife was with child, and the children pressed in her womb, as men doing battle. And she said, If this is the anguish of a mother, what then are children to me? And she went into the school of Shem, Rabbi, to supplicate mercy before the Lord. Jerusalem, and the children pressed in her womb, and she said, If such be the anguish of a mother, what now is life, that children are to be mine? And she went to supplicate mercy before the Lord in the Beth Midrash of Shem Rabbah. And the Lord said to her, Two peoples are in thy womb, and two kingdoms from thy womb shall be separated, and one kingdom shall be stronger than the other and the elder shall serve the younger, if the children of the younger will keep the commandments of the law. And the 270 days of her being with child were completed to bring forth, and behold, twins were in her womb, and the first came forth wholly red as a garment of hair, and they called his name Esau, because he was born altogether complete with the hair of the head, and the beard, and the teeth, and grinders. Jerusalem. And the first came forth holy red as a garment of hair, and they called his name Esau. Afterward came forth his brother, and his hand had hold on the heel of Esau, and they called his name Jacob. And Isaac was the son of sixty years when he begat them. And the Lord grew, and the lads grew, and Esau was a man of idleness, to catch birds and beasts, a man going forth into the field to kill lives, as Nimrod had killed, and Hanok his son. But Jacob was a man peaceful in his words, a minister of the instruction house of Eber, seeking instruction before the Lord. And Isaac loved Esau, for words of deceit were in his mouth, but Rebekah loved Jacob. On the day that Abraham died, Jacob dressed pottage of lentils and was going to comfort his father. And Esau came from the wilderness exhausted, for in that day he had committed five transgressions. He had worshipped with strange worship. He had shed innocent blood. He had gone unto a betrothed damsel. 
He had denied the life of the world to come and had despised the birthright. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me now taste that red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore he called his name Edom. And Jacob said, Sell today, as on this very day, what thou wouldst hereafter appropriate, thy birthright unto me. And Esau said, Behold, I am going to die, and in another world I shall have no life. And what then to me is the birthright, or the portion in the world of which thou speakest? And Jacob said, Swear to me today that so it shall be. And he sware to him, and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave to Esau bread, pottage, and lentils. And he ate and drank and arose and went. And Esau scorned the birthright and the portion of the world that cometh, Jerusalem. And he arose and went, and Esau despised the birthright and vilified the portion in the world that cometh and denied the resurrection of the dead. All right, so now I'm going to read from the legends of the patriarchs and the prophets. And this um, has a portion in it that confirms what we read from the legends of the Jews last show and where we talked about the sword of Methuselah. Cool. And it does have an interesting passage in it uh, that connects with it. So. The following curious story is told of the brothers by the rabbi Eleazar. It is said that when Jacob and Esau were in their mother's womb, Jacob said to Esau, My brother, there are two worlds before us, this world and the world to come. In this world men eat and drink and traffic and marry and bring up sons and daughters, but all this does not take place in the world to come. If you like, take this world and I will take the other. And Esau denied that there was a resurrection of the dead and said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? Uh, and he gave over to Jacob in that hour his right to the other world. And therefore Esau and his descendants have no part or lot in paradise and none are admitted there. It is also said that the religious predilections of the children were developed before they were born. On the words of Genesis, the children struggled together within her. A rabbinic commentator says that when Rebekah passed before a synagogue, then Jacob made great efforts to escape into the world, that he might attend the synagogue. And this is the meaning of the words of the prophet Jeremiah, when God says of Yaakov, Before thou earnest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. But whenever she went before an idol temple, Esau became excited and desired to come forth. When Esau was born, he had on his heel the likeness of a serpent, and his name indicates that he was closely connected with Satan, Samael, for says the rabbi Isaiah, if you write the name Samael in Hebrew characters, you will find it identified, be identified with that of Esau. 
For the four letters of Esau turned one way, make Samael, and turned another way, make Edom. Esau had also a serpent in his inside, coiled in his bowels. That's weird. E yeah, that is very weird. Esau was called Edom or Red because, say some, he sucked his mother's blood before he was born. Or say others, because he was to shed blood. Or again, because he was born under the ruddy planet Mars. Or again, because he liked to eat his meat underdone and red. But the Targums say that Esau had red hair over his body like a garment before he was called Esau. The lads grew, and Esau was a man of idleness to catch birds and beasts, a man going forth into the field to kill, as Nimrod had killed, and Anak his son. But Jacob was a man peaceful in his works, a minister of the school of Eber, seeking instruction before the Lord. And Isaac loved Esau, for words of deceit were in his mouth, but Rebekah loved Jacob. On the day that Abraham died, Jacob dressed pottage of lentils and was going to comfort his father. And Esau came from the wilderness, exhausted, for in that day he had committed five transgressions. He had worshipped with strange worship. He had shed innocent blood. He had pursued a betrothed damsel. He had denied the life of the world to come, and he had despised his birthright. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me now taste that red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore he called his name Edom. And Jacob said, Sell to me today what thou wouldst hereafter appropriate thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I'm going to die, and in another world I shall have no life. And what then to me is the birthright, or the portion in the world of which thou speakest? And Jacob said, Swear to me today that so it shall be. And he swore to him, and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave to Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he ate and drank and arose and went. And Esau scorned the birthright and the portion of the world that cometh, and denied the resurrection of the dead. But according to certain rabbinic authorities, Esau sold his birthright, not only for the mess of lentils, but also for a sword that Jacob had to wit, the sword of Methuselah, wherewith he had slain a thousand devils. Esau had the garment which God made for Adam, on which were embroidered the forms of all the wild beasts, birds, and were on the face of the earth in their proper colors. This garment had been stolen by Ham from Noah in the ark and had been given by him to Cush, who gave it to Nimrod. Esau killed Nimrod and took from him his painted dress, and thenceforth all the success in hunting which had attended Nimrod devolved upon Esau. The story of the blessing of Jacob and Esau has not become surrounded with many fables. The following are the most remarkable. Esau on that occasion went forth in such haste to catch the venison 
that he forgot to take with him Nimrod's garment, and therefore was not successful in hunting, as on former occasions. And Jacob took advantage of this forgotfulness to assume the embroidered coat. And when the meat was ready, and Isaac began to eat, thereof he was thirsty, and there was no wine for him in the house. So an angel was sent to him out of paradise, and took Yash. Oh wait, no, that's um, those are footnotes. And brought him the juice of the grape that grows there on the vine that was created before the foundation of the earth were laid. Isaac was so angry at having been deceived by Jacob that he was about to doom him to Gehenna after he said, Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it, brought it me, and I have eaten of all before thou earnest and have blessed him? But he paused to prepare his curse. And then God suddenly opened hell to him beneath, beneath his feet, and he looked into it and saw the abyss of fire and darkness, and his horror rendered him speechless. But when he recovered his voice, he resolved that no child of his should descend there, and therefore he added, Yea, and he shall be blessed. Hmm. So I can stop there with regard to the... Well, right next to it, so the Muslims, which I assume is the Muslims, relate the history of Esau yeah, and Jacob. Actually, yeah, this actually talks about the, you know, the... Well, I'll continue. It's a you know Rome, and the contention with Israel, oh. which is also part of some of the other stories. So hmm. I'll continue reading. Cool. Uh, the Muslims relate the history of Esau and Jacob much as it stands in the book of Genesis. They add that the benediction of Esau was fulfilled in his having a son named Roum, from whom sprang the Greek and Roman empires. This is also a rabbinical tradition. For the Talmudists say that Esau had a son named Eliphaz, who had a son Zepho, from whom Vespasian and his son Titus were descended. And thus they attribute the destruction of Jerusalem to the struggle of Esau to break the yoke of Jacob from off his neck. Esau is said by the rabbis to have had four wives in imitation of Satan or Samael, as has been already related. Ali Laraj says that Esau made war with Jacob and was killed by him with an arrow. Jacob feared Esau, for Esau said in his heart, I will not do as Cain did, who slew his brother Abel in the lifetime of his father, after which his father begat Seth. But I will wait till the days of mourning for my father are accomplished, and then I will kill Jacob, and so I shall be the sole heir. And therefore Jacob went out only at night. During the day he hid himself away. And thus several years passed and his life became intolerable to him. So his mother said, Thy uncle Laban, the son of Bethuel, has great possessions and is very old. Go and ask him to give thee his daughter. And if he consents, then tarry with him till thy brother's anger turn away. Jacob listened to the advice of his mother, and he fled away without letting Esau know. Five miracles were wrought for the patriarch Jacob at the time when he went forth from Beersheba. First, the hours of the day were shortened, 
and the sun went down before its time, because the word desired to speak with him. Secondly, the four stones which Jacob had set for his pillow, he found in the morning had coagulated into one stone. Thirdly, the stone which, when all the flocks were assembled, the shepherds rolled from the mouth of the well, he rolled away with one of his arms. Fourthly, the well overflowed, and the water continued to flow all the days he was in Haran. The fifth sign in the country was shortened before him, so that in one day he went forth and came to Haran. And he prayed in the place where he rested, and took four stones of that place, and set them for a pillow and went asleep. Of these stones, this is the history. They were twelve in number, and Adam had set them up as an altar. On them Abel had offered his sacrifice. The deluge had thrown them down, but Noah reared them once more. They had been again overthrown, but Abraham set them in their places, and on them built the altar on which to sacrifice Isaac. These twelve stones Jacob now found, and he placed them under his head as a pillow. But a great wonder was wrought, and in the morning the twelve stones had melted together into one stone. And finally, this stone, so ancient and with such a history, was carried to Scotland, by whom I do not mm. know, where it was placed at Scone, and was used for the consecration of the Scottish kings. Mm. Edward I of England brought it to London, and it was set beneath the chair of the confessor as the following lines inscribed on a tablet announce. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to read all that. <laughs> blah, 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 lipsum, urum, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a, I don't uh, maybe Latin or something, but it says, uh, the stone may now be seen in Westminster Abbey, and when Jacob, to return to our narrative, slept with his head on the pillow of the stones, he dreamed and beheld a ladder fixed in the earth, and the summit of re reached to the height of heaven. And behold, the angels who had accompanied him from the house of his father ascended to make known to the angels on high, saying, Come, see Jacob the pious, whose likeness is in the throne of glory, and whom you have been. Um, Jesus to see. These were the two angels who had been sent to Sodom to destroy it and had been forbidden to rise up to the throne of God again because, say some, they had revealed the secrets of the Lord to the whole earth, because, say others, they had threatened in their own name to destroy the cities of the plain. Then the rest of the angels of God came down at the call of these twain to look upon Jacob, and the glory of the Lord stood above him. And he said to him, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which thou art lying I will give to thee, and thy sons and thy sons shall be many, as the dust of the earth, and shall become strong in the west, and in the east, and in the north, and in the south, and all the kindreds of the earth shall be blessed through thy righteousness, and the righteousness of thy sons. I'll just read a little bit more. When Jacob arrived at Haran, he saw a well in a field, and there were three flocks lying near it, because from that well they watered the flocks, and the great stone was laid upon the mouth of the well. And Jacob said to the shepherds, 
my brethren, whence are ye? They said, From Haran are we. And he said, Know you Laban, son of Nahor? They answered, We know him. And he said, Hath he peace? They said, Peace, and behold, Rachel his daughter cometh with the sheep. And he said, Behold, the time of the day is great. It is not time to gather home the cattle, water the sheep. But they said, We cannot until all the shepherds be gathered, and then we can all together roll away the stone. And while they were speaking with him, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess at that time, because there had been a plague among the sheep of Laban, and but few of them were left, and he had dismissed his shepherds and had put the remaining flock before Rachel, his daughter. And then Jacob went nigh and rolled the stone with all the shepherds together, could scarce lift with one of his hands, and the well uprose, and the waters flowed, and the watered the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother. And it uprose for twenty years. And Jacob kissed Rachel, and lifted up his voice, and went, and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was come to be with her father, to take one of his daughters. And then Rachel answered him, Thou canst not dwell with him, for he is a man of cunning. But Jacob said, I am more cunning than he. And when she knew that he was the son of Rebekah, she ran and made it known to her father. And when Laban heard the account of the strength of Jacob, his sister's son, and how he had taken the birthright and the order of blessing from the hand of his brother, and how the Lord had revealed himself to him in the way, and how the stone had been removed, and how the well had upflowed and risen to the brink, he ran and kissed him and led him into his house. Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah and the name of the younger Rachel. Uh, I'll just finish this paragraph and I'll stop here because I know we're ahead of the story. And the eyes of Leah were moist and running from weeping and praying before the Lord that he would not destine her for Esau, the wicked. All right, I'll stop here with this particular story. But um, so what did you think about that information? Yeah, very cool. Uh, is there anything else talks about Jacob slaying thousands of demons with that? Um, not in that particular part of the story, but um, I can, yeah, there's not anything other, just that one quick mention of the sort of Methuselah. But I thought it was um, pretty cool that at least there was a confirming witness, which I remember that there was. Yeah. That, I mean, that's and pretty wild. The, yeah, and then the story of the garments, too. The continuation of that. Yeah, here it is. Yeah, slain that Jacob had to wit the sword of Methuselah, wherein, wherewith he had slain a thousand devils. That's pretty wild. You know? Yeah, so I guess Jacob had used it in battle. Well, and and if it's saying devils, as in demons, demons, then yeah. then that well, I mean that's the way I designed the the sword of Methuselah in my video game, is that it right. would be it could be used for the physical as well as against the spiritual. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you know also that the giants, because in the other tale or one of the other. There's a footnote somewhere also about this particular sword. I think it might be in the Rabbi, the uh, the, the Perk, the Rabbi Eliezer, 
because it does mention at the beginning of the story that uh, this is, you know, a tale from Rabbi Eliezer. But anyways, um, it, it mentions how, you know, they that sword was a, a killer of giants. And so maybe perhaps this uh, account of it having slain a thousand devils is in similarity that, you know, the giants uh, are possessed by the demonic forces of legion and maybe are considered devils in some manner. Fascinating. And, and there was also that the deal with the, so as I understood with, with, with the stone, is that there was an altar set up by Adam that was later right. destroyed, but Noah rebuilt it after the flood. And right. then Abraham rebuilt it, but it, it said something about all the stones melting into one stone or something? Yeah, when Jacob slept on it and had a dream. All right, we'll be right back, everyone, for a second hour. Censorship and regulation is becoming an ever-growing problem in today's modern media. From the mainstream to YouTube and Google, the information you're looking for is buried by official narratives and propaganda. This is why TFR is 100% uncensored, unregulated, and listener-supported. The shows on TFR are not micromanaged by the station, and our hosts are free to speak their minds however they please. As such, the views and opinions expressed on our station are of those who make them. If you happen to hear anything offensive on TFR, please send us an email to toughtitty at tfrlive.com, and we'll be happy to tell you that we really don't give a damn. We stand for freedom of speech and non-censorship. If you also stand for free speech, you can go to tfrlive.com slash sign up and sign up for a TFR supporter pass and help us in our mission to keep the airwaves uncensored and unregulated. TFR Live, your uncensored and unregulated protection from deception. delay. I'm Lisa Lacerra, Fox News. Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell is asking Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to push back the impeachment trial of former President Trump. McConnell is proposing to Schumer, giving the former president's legal team two weeks to prepare its defense. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham has confirmed these details to Fox. Some Democrats sound open to it as long as the Senate keeps confirming cabinet members. That would bump the trial back to February. Fox's Mike Emanuel, spokesman for Schumer, said they received the proposal late this afternoon and would review it. FBI agents say they found a cache of weapons in the home of a man accused of carrying zip ties to the Capitol during the riot earlier this month. Federal authorities say a search of Eric Munchel's home in Nashville turned up more than a dozen firearms, including a sniper rifle and hundreds of rounds of ammo. Prosecutors in a court filing ahead of a detention hearing say Munchell is a danger to the community who was dressed for combat when a mob stormed the Capitol building. Munchell is charged with violent entry, disorderly conduct, conspiracy, and civil disorder. Fox's Steve Rappaport. President Biden signed another batch of executive orders on his first full day in office related to COVID-19 response. The president directed agencies to exercise all appropriate authorities, including the Defense Production Act, to accelerate manufacturing and delivering of supplies such as N95 
masks, gowns, gloves, PCR swabs, test reagents, and necessary equipment and material for the vaccine. Press Secretary Jen Psaki, President Biden also signed an order that would have FEMA work with states to set up vaccination centers. His goal is to have 100 million Americans vaccinated by his first uh, in his first 100 days in office. Producers of the latest James Bond movie, No Time to Die, say the release will be pushed back to October from April. The film will be the last portrayal of Bond by actor Daniel Craig. It already been pushed back several times due to the pandemic. America is listening to Fox News. This is the Truth Frequency Radio Network. TFR. Truth Frequency Radio. Welcome back, everybody, for a second hour. We were just discussing the Sword of Methuselah and also the the stone, which uh, it's interesting that uh, this stone seems to be the one that they uh, anoint and have uh, incorporated into the, um, as far as, you know, crowning of all of the, uh, the different royals there, even, yeah. I guess, yeah, even Queen Elizabeth had that stone um as part of her coronation yeah that is yeah that is interesting i mean that was that's another one of those deep rabbit holes and um it it was so strange man back in the late 90s from like 97 to 99 i was doing a ton of research on uh, various artifacts like the shroud of turin and the spear of destiny and uh, the Odessa cloth and you know all all that stuff, the Holy Grail and whatnot, and the mm-hmm. Knights Templar and, and everything. And it, like it, at that time, it, and I was looking into cloning because I was Dolly the sheep time period, you know. Right, at that time, and, yeah. they, and they were in the process of uh, really um, working on the Human Genome Project, you know, which was wrapping up like right. I think in 2000 or something like that. Whatever the case may be, like it didn't matter what I researched. Like literally everything I was researching in those days kept leading me back to Scotland and specifically to Rosslyn Chapel in uh, I think it's uh Edinburgh, Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um like I don't remember the chapels in Edinburgh or whatever whatever it was. Edinburgh, Scotland and Rosslyn Chapel, let's put it that way. Both of those like every topic I was looking into ultimately the rabbit trail led me there and when i was looking into all that and of course the european royals and all that and this thing about the stone uh kept coming up too i, I remember it was what was it called the philosopher's stone or something I, I don't remember there was another name they had a name for it does that sound familiar um i'm not sure that it's the philosopher's stone but i it was something. i do remember that they do have a name for have it a name i just for don't it. remember yeah yeah, so that's interesting that it. Uh, this is this would almost seem like the origin story of it right here, the legends of the patriarchs yeah. and prophets. Right. 
But yeah, you, and you, it's intriguing that it's it's mentioned in, you know, here in the patriarchs and the prophets, and that the origin goes all the way back to Adam, because uh, in the Targum the story is repeated several times. Like huh. when you get to the sacrifice of Isaac, it does make mention that this is the, you know, the altar that Adam built and that Noah had restored. Um, and that this was the same one that Abraham had built to, you know, prepare the sacrifice of Isaac. Uh, scone stone so or stone of, it's people in the chat room are saying scone stone or stone of destiny. Ah, okay. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, well, that's, that's what, even that was mentioned in this story. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but you had you had said in uh, one of the previous shows that uh, this document, the it legends, of the, the legends of the patriarchs and prophets, is oh yeah, it, it does mention that. Let me let me take that yeah, screen here. Right here um, scone. scone, yeah, placed at scone, scone stone. Um, but you had made mentioned to me before, uh, I think, at one of these shows that this particular text, the legends of the patriarchs and prophets, draws from all kinds of different stuff, not just Hebrew. Yes, all the all the mythologies of the world. Yeah, it's it's fascinating stuff, and and there really is something. Really is. I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of this stuff gets you know significantly embellished, but uh, I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot of research to to figure out that throughout history, many of these artifacts have been sought after, uh, in right. even recent times. I mean, 20th century. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, there was an episode. Of the TV series The Unit, you ever see that show? Is a show about special operations mm -hmm. guys. Um, I want to say it was in the final season, I think, where one of the main characters uh, ended up. The the special forces were tasked to um, do something to recover the Spear of Destiny, and uh, uh -huh. and by the end of it, you know, it's kind of like you know, it's one of the, the the legend is like whoever owns the spear rules the world, kind of thing. And right, just right. the the the, the bloodlust for power kind of thing that was wrapped around it. Anyway, the character uh, he hid it away, like he he didn't want anybody to get. You know, he, he was assigned to get uh -huh. it, but then he didn't want anybody, so he hid it away. But it was actually a really mm -hmm. cool, really cool episode. But yeah, there's a lot to that stuff. Um, I mean, going back, yeah, especially that's an intriguing Knights artifact. Templar. Yeah. Uh, right. And everything that the Knights Templar were doing, and and the Shroud of Turin, man, I, I don't know where you stand on it, but I I have become a hundred percent convinced that that's a Polaroid snapshot of the resurrection. That's the that it's oh, yeah. a real deal. And, then, and it, it it seems to show that you know the light entered yeah. into Yahushua and then radiate and radiated outward and burned the imprint yeah. of his physical likeness onto that shroud and in a manner that cannot be replicated yeah. in any way today which makes that occasion supernatural in occurrence in my opinion yeah I totally agreed I, I, like I said I was doing a lot of research on that back in the 90s and I came across uh, a, a book on the Shroud of Turin by Ian Wilson who uh, when I looked into him found out he only lived like 45 minutes away from me so I was like, "Oh man!" So I contacted oh, really? him and uh, spent a lot of time talking with him. And uh, cool. in addition to his book, I mean, he, you know, he, the book is very convincing in and of itself, as is the research in general. But 
you know, talking to him, I mean, he was one of the guys that was there that actually physically touched the thing, took samples from it, analyzed it, and, you know, he he makes more than a compelling case. I mean, it's like a rock-solid, uh-huh. you know, forensic case that this this can't be uh, fabricated. This is a supernatural right, item right. here. And mm-hmm. um, and, and that, the, that there was yeah, actually some viable DNA on it, uh, and as I recall, it was AB, right. AB negative blood that was uh, recovered from it. And so, at, you know, at that time, I was writing a series. It was, at first, it was going to be one movie script, but it turned into a trilogy of movie scripts uh, called The uh, um, Omega Conspiracy, which I titled that before I ever knew or ever even heard of. Um, it was a Dr. I.D. Thomas had written a book by the same title, The Omega Conspiracy. I guess he wrote it in the, uh, I want to say probably in the 70s. I have a a reprint of the book that I think was, uh, I think the copyright is 2006. And so, you know, I may, when I first started my radio show, you can go back and listen to the archives. When I first started my radio show back in like 2010, I think it was, I was talking with L.A. Marzulli, and I made the comment that, you know, I titled my script that, you know, long before uh, I.D. Thomas. And he's like, what? what? Wait, wait a minute, what? Because uh, I.D. Thomas was apparently a mentor to L.A. Marzulli. Like, they were friends. He's like, when did you uh-huh. when did you say you wrote your, your script? I said, 97 through 99. And he's like, no, uh, Dr. Thomas's book has been out since the 70s. I'm like, well, I'm looking at my book. I said, oh, it's, wow. it's, I'm like, it's copyright 2006. And he said, well, that must be a reprint. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah. So he uh, did. So I I wasn't influenced by anybody. I just you know Omega being the end. Uh-huh. I'm thinking the end plan. You know, right. looking yeah. for a catchy title. Uh, but yeah. w- when I when the script kept expanding and getting longer and longer, I realized it can't be one movie. It's got to be three movies. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> the, the the first one um, being uh, the Omega Plan, which set set up the trilogy, and the last one being the Spear of Destiny. I didn't really have a title for the second one at the time, but. Um, I had written this script about cloning Jesus from the Shroud of Turin, using the blood from the oh, shroud, that's from, yeah from the Shroud and from the, of course you got to remember back at that time, like I said, the Human Genome Project was just in in the beginning process of being uh-huh. you know, they were doing it at that time, and of course Dolly the Sheep and all that stuff that was coming out back then in the late nineties. Uh, so I mean, if that movie could have been made at the time, it would have been real cutting edge for the time. Right. Right. Um. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I and I became convinced. That, I mean, at that time, I thought that it would be the Antichrist it would be a clone of Jesus Christ, and uh, that's that's exactly my friend Doctor Joy. Uh, one of the premises of her book is that exact thing that you you mentioned. Well, it, it, uh, she she believes it's going to play out like that. Yeah, it's a reasonable thesis, um, especially when you look at you know, some of the the so-called elite out there and what their plans and objectives and things are. Right. Uh, after right. I became convinced that Revelation 17 and 13 and 9 and Micah chapter 5 and uh, Matthew 24 give you all the details you need to know about the Antichrist, naming him Apollo, mm-hmm. uh, that I became convinced uh, largely due to uh, Tom Horn and um, Peter uh, Goodgame's work that uh, Nimrod would be the Antichrist. And so, but so I had you know, back in the '90s established, at least in my mind, the likelihood that somebody's going to be cloned from the Shroud of Turin. Um, uh, what was I going to do with that information? And then the more I started thinking mm. about it, I thought, you know, it actually would make more sense that the false prophet 
would be the clone of Jesus, uh, especially if you look, you know, the prophet, the false prophet does signs, wonders, and miracles, you know. And w- what the thought occurred to me after reading um, in the Gospels where the Pharisees came to John the Baptist and they asked him, are you the Messiah? And he said, no. And then they asked him, are you the prophet, capital P? And I'm like, wait a minute, then that means they're they're looking for two people. Now, as believers in Yeshua, we re- we recognize that the prophet, capital P, likened unto Moses, spoken of in the Torah, is Yeshua, and that he is the Messiah. So we understand the prophet to be the Messiah. But the fact that they asked John the Baptist two different questions said to mm-hmm. me that they're looking for two different people. And mm-hmm. that's why in the last days, that, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, that there is a false antichrist and a false you know not a false a, a true yeah. antichrist antithesis of christ but a false prophet and yeah. just like yeshua is always pointing to his father the false prophet's always pointing to the antichrist you know antichrist, right. so and um you want to talk about like convincing so much that even the elect could be deceived you know imagine this dude shows up and he says you want proof here's my id card <laughs> you know, he pulls out the shroud of turin right you know check it uh, right uh, yeah. ch- check it for yourself you know like it was, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my thought was, you know, you try to play Frankenstein essentially to the Son of God, it's not going to turn out good, you know, <laughs> you know. Uh, and it's so strange. I, I was just telling somebody this story the other day that back in the late '90s when I was pitching this in early 2000s, I was in going back and forth to LA trying to get studios to bite on it and pitching to studios and all this stuff. And I think it was at the um, Kodak Theater. That I had parked my car somewhere around there and I pulled out of this parking garage and I turned to my left and there was a dumpster right there and somebody had spray painted on the dumpster clone Jesus in yellow spray paint and I was like whoa because like I was literally in LA pitching a script about cloning Jesus and I looked to my left and there's a sign of somebody that's painted on the side of a, a dumpster clone Jesus I'm like wow so I wouldn't yeah, be surprised thanks. if somebody out there you know has has already done it or is going to attempt to do it right right yeah i can totally see that premise as well and uh like i said my my friend dr joy she's written several books and and described this exact scenario she believes that the elites are going to try to pull that that trick uh, just to give credit to the antichrist right um, you know, cloning him from the from the Shard of Turin, or cloning his body, giving him that physical being to, you know, having the likeness of the Messiah. Yeah, you, I mean, you'd create a a shell, you know, that has the same physical attributes, right. but clearly it's not going to be inhabited by the nefesh of Yahuwah, you know, right. the spirit of yes. God in him is not going to be right. there. So. Uh, that would be very dangerous, and but it's so amazing to me going back to the stone thing that like all these things seem to be you know intertwined and related somehow, and and they go mm-hmm. back throughout history. I mean, people can do their own research for themselves and see these things showing up all over the place. And like we talked about in a previous show, what if you know Excalibur uh, is actually spun off of either the staff, the rod of power, or the uh, sword of Methuselah? Right. Yeah, I do think it's, um, you know, connected to the Rod of Wonder because of the story of, In the and rock. also you read uh, Ruel. Ruel is Jethro, um, oh. the the father-in-law of 
you know, because it mentions him in the the as part of the Midianites, but um, he Ruel is Jethro. That's he served under Pharaoh as Ruel, but he took the name Jethro when he ran and you know was trying to hide himself and keep himself secretive. And um, when Moshe went there, the he was able to pull out this sapphire stick which was embedded in the ground, and then that's when. Uh, he gave he Zipporah, the eldest daughter of Ruel, was given to Moses to to wife, and then he received the garments as well, together uh, with the rod of wonder. So, <clears throat> you know, much later, we have like I've, I've been watching the TV series Vikings, you know, and mm-hmm. so much of the Viking lore and everything, you know, that comes much later. You know, it's after it's AD after Christ. And right. you have the the various Norse deities and the mythologies surrounding them and things like that. You know, I, it makes you wonder if you know maybe somebody had the staff and they put a you know iron block on the end of it to make Thor's hammer or something. You know, because has the same idea, uh-huh. right? That that right, right. it has this power, but only Thor, you know, or the you know the person with a pure heart, as their mythology would have it, can mm-hmm. can lift it. You know, uh, right. And, you know, the, it's a supernatural item, a very special relic, and it has to have continuance throughout history in probably manner and form, which we are not associating uh, because, you know, we don't understand those links. But um, certainly this has been an object that has influenced um, humanity and you know, even the the authority of who ruled uh, as king, whether they were a seat of the woman and the seat of the serpent, as I cover in great detail within that book, the Vestures of Light and the the Rod of Wonder, um, tracking the history of all of this from Adam to Moshe, and then there's even mention of it in the story of uh, David and Goliath, which. Hmm. I, I didn't realize, you know, uh, there was a question somebody had asked me about, you know, when we were at the conference about how the staff was incorporated. And oh, I, remember I didn't think that it was. And when I went and read the story again, actually, it does mention really uh, David having this possession of this staff. Really? Yeah. And um, hmm. yeah. And there's also um, in the in the one of the things that Lewis Ginsburg had written about the the garments of power and also the rod of wonder. Uh, he mentions David as having this staff at that time as well. And so we do see that it was also passed down during the time of the kings and that Josiah also uh, had had possession of the, the garments and the staff. And so there was a continuation of its being passed on even solomon is mentioned as having been bequeathed uh these particular relics Mm. and but you know again in the with regard to scripture i don't find anything after um and just in the legends in some of the mentions of you know commentary and footnotes you find mention of um how the later history of these particular relics but nothing within the actual you know scriptural passages uh, about 
um, and connecting and relating these items as you know being part of those particular dynasties. It's fascinating. But stuff, without man. a doubt, without a doubt, Revelation nineteen thirteen, uh, it is connected to the vestures dipped in blood and the rod of iron, which Yahushua will return and reign and rule over. So, world. well, yeah, I've heard you say, you know, about the, and I didn't get a chance to follow, I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't get a chance to follow up on our last show because uh, you were referring to the rod of iron that Revelation talks about, uh, but I thought it was sapphire and I thought it was a tree branch from the, the tree of life. So how is right. it, how is it yes. iron, or is it encoded in iron or what, what's the deal? Why all these different uh, descriptions? I'm, I'm not sure. Now, with regard to being made of iron, I just know that it's as strong, oh, strong as, as iron. iron. Yeah. And so the the emphasis hmm. or the association would make sense to me. And then again, the, um, because of the connections with um, how Christ gave these to Adam when he was banished from paradise, and we see um, from the legends of the patriarchs and the prophets that it was on the first of Tishri, mm -hmm. um, you know, that Adam was cast forth from paradise and that it was also both you and I believe that, you know, he was born uh, on that particular date as well. Mm -hmm. And that in the second coming, it's mentioned that he will return on Yom Turah and that when the seventh trumpet sounded, that this is w where the rapture of the church, the catching away will happen before the wrath of God is poured out on the wicked. And so the connections of the end from the beginning, the Alpha and the Omega, Adam and Christ, and his Christ being cited as being the second Adam, and how he redeemed the first, and that mm. restored him to paradise, restored him to his first estate. Uh, the story has continuation and these relics also have continuation from the end to uh, from the beginning to the end and well, that you know uh, revelation 19:13 i believe is the uh, fulfillment the prophetic fulfillment of what will be the end use and end case use of these relics well i mean any good story you know i mean they they teach you this in like script writing or storytelling uh, courses like y you you establish everything up front you know for a payoff later so like specifically mm -hmm. in, you know in in pretty much any movie if they just introduce you to a character that seems random it's it's not you know they don't just put people in mm -hmm. there and pay actors to be a random character you know there's there's usually a reason for it or if they make right. a, a reference to an object or a, you know something uh, there's a reason it's called foreshadowing. They're setting you up right. for the payoff later. So, later. Yes. you know, who is the greatest storyteller of all time? Exactly. And exactly. You know, as I started to come off of the sort of the more modern traditional Hal Lindsey uh, ish view of end times, you know, um, and went more of a, of a I don't want to say biblical because I, you know, I, I believe he was doing and others like him were doing the best they can interpreting scripture, you know, where he would look at the locust, for instance, and the way they're described right, coming up out right. of the bottomless pit and say, well, that, you know, that could be an Apache helicopter with a, you know, shark teeth painted on the front of it. Right. How else in right. his argument would be, you know, how else would a first century writer 
describe a Cobra helicopter in Apache or something. And, you know, mm-hmm. back in the 80s, you know, I'm reading that and I'm in the Army and I'm looking out on the flight line at the Cobra helicopters that literally have shark teeth painted on the front of them. <laughs> right. You know, and I watch the Cobras and the helicopters and stuff taken off and I'm reading Revelation in the, with the glasses of Hal Lindsey. And I'm going, eh, you know, I can see that, you know. But mm-hmm. when I came, started, you know, in more recent years coming off of that page and just taking the Bible, you know, literally what it says and taking it at a face value... I'm going, well, then it makes much more sense to me, the stuff that he, so in other words, now I'm, you know, I'm not thinking of America in last day's prophecy, you know, I'm not trying to switch names around, you know, Babylon still means Babylon, you know what I mean? The the Babylon Mm -hmm. that was written about in scripture is the same Babylon that's going to be in the last days. Now there will be nations that will operate in the spirit of Babylon and may in my first book, Babylon Rising, I was saying if Babylon in the Middle East rises to be, you know, a, a repeat of the biblical Babylon, it's only going to happen because of our help. So, and and uh-huh. it, it's rather um, poetic, maybe you could say, that looking at the like the Iraqi currency, the Iraqi dinar, it has all the Iraqi stuff on the front of it, and on the back, it's all you know American English stuff, you know. So. Uh-huh. You know, I was looking at him like, well, I mean, that just shows America's backing Babylon, <laughs> you know, like literally right. right there in the in the in the currency. But so I started to think, well, you know, especially when you read Isaiah forty six ten and scriptures like that, where it says he declared the end from the beginning and where Paul is, right. is referring to the Torah. And he said these things happen to them to serve as examples for us upon whom the ends of the ages have come. It's like, well then he he set the stage with all the characters that you need to understand in the first five books, you know, and like the whole rest of the movie that is the Bible uh, plays out with regard to those characters in the first five books and to include, you know, after biblical times, our times where it's all coming back. You know, it's all the same, like Yeshua on the road to Emmaus, it says that he, you know, he's talking with these guys that don't recognize him in the end of the Gospel of Luke, and it's he says, you know, he began with Moses to explain to them who he was. And Paul, Paul's doing the same thing in the end of the, the book of Acts. He's rented a house, and he says he's beginning with Moses to explain who Yeshua was. So, like, we can't truly understand who Yeshua was without the foundation. That's why we're doing such an in-depth study of, of Genesis. Right. Um, yes. So, I mean, uh, the everything from the the human ancestry that led to Yeshua to the people that he would call his own and why we have to get grafted into that people group, Romans chapter 7 through 11, you know, all of that's there. And then when you flash forward 2,000 years from the time of the New Testament to where we are today— all of that stuff has been foreshadowing for a big payoff in the climax of the of the movie, you know, uh, which will be yeah. the tribulation period being the end of uh, of Act Two in a in a three act play. It, the Act Two always looks like the good guys. There's no way out. It's you know it's horrible. Then you get Act Three. Yes. The resolution. All that thought. All right, we'll be right back for a final segment, everyone.
Discover the extraordinary powers of intuitive healing with pain transmutation, a method of holistic healing for the human soul, body, mind, and emotions. If you are looking for answers and a deep understanding of how to help yourself and the people around you to live a happier, healthier life, this is the right place for you. Learn how to read your soul's history in the Akashic Records. Remove negative energy attachments from your astral body and start the process of inner and outer pain transmutation. Join Pain Transmutation Community to get started on the path of intuitive healing. Change your energetic state. Manifest new and exciting experiences. Re-energize your life and build inspiring connections with others in our community. Okay, nurse, let's get this man to the ER, staff. Right away, doctor. We see this every day. Heart attack or angina pain due to blocked and clogged arteries. Chelation can remove obstructions or blockages from arteries and help avoid painful and expensive surgery. Now there's Angioprim. It's a liquid oral chelation product that you take with juice. You start to feel the results fast. Angioprim increases blood flow all over the body, and that means more energy and strength to take on the day with less aches and pains. 60 years of research has gone into chelation, and Angioprim is the result. A safe and easy way to unblock your veins and arteries from buildup that slow circulation. Paging Dr. Jones, please report to the emergency room right away. Log on now for a special radio offer from Angioprim. That's angioprim.com slash radio. A-N-G-I-O-P-R-I-M. Angioprim.com slash radio or call 877-882-7221. That's 877-882-7221. Hey everyone, it's Mark Sargent from Strange World, broadcasting live every Tuesday evening, 10 to 12 Eastern, 7 to 9 Pacific, right here on True Frequency Radio. Strange World covers a wide range of topics, from enclosed world theory to lunar waves to the end of the world in film. It's basically doomsday with a silver lining. With the audience as my co-host, we take an optimistic approach to all things conspiracy and promote confidence, hope, and humor whenever possible. If there's a topic you want us to cover or a guest you would like to see interviewed, please email me at msargent23 at comcast.net. So please join me and tell your friends about True Frequency Radio, the leader in real radio programming, bringing you quality, cutting-edge broadcasts from around the world. No hate, no hype, no, 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 no fear. We are TFR Frequency Radio.
All right, welcome back, everybody, for a final segment. The show, as always, is passing quickly. Hmm. Uh, but let me turn it back over to you, Rob. You were um, making commentary. Yeah, I, I pretty much wrapped up before we went to break, but just saying that, you know, the, any good movie script or story in general uh, sets everything up. You know, in, in Act One, you're introduced to all the characters and all the motivations and the, the central theme of the plot. You know, uh, then something happens to one of the main characters that sends him on a different journey than he was on to begin with, and that enters Act Two, which is the longest part of the story. And Act Two always ends with the the hero in a terrible situation that looks like there's no way out. You know, it's game over until you know something happens that radically changes the course of events, and you have the the shortest act typically is the the resolution in the end. Um, so you know, looking at the Bible that way. Uh, really helped me a, a lot. You know, as you know, I studied to be a filmmaker, and I study all this stuff about you know, writing stories and how that works. And I'm going, well, it actually looks like Yahuwah's done that, and He's told us that. You know, Amos three seven, He doesn't yes. do anything without telling His prophets first. So whatever He's going to okay. do, He's told the prophets, and He tells one of the prophets, "I won't. If you want to know the end, I've declared it from the beginning." Okay, and then one of His apostles says, "Yeah, same thing." You know, these things happen to them to serve yes. as examples for us. So, you know, and when you you take off the modern eschatological glasses that you know most of us were given in churchianity and approach the bible that way you see it much much differently and everything becomes at least in my mind a lot clearer and very quickly i realized that wow exodus revelation is just an amped up repeat of exodus with the exact same plagues and everything just amped up and then you get to the mm-hmm. book of numbers and numbers is like a play by play roadmap for the tribulation period, you know? So I don't know how we got on all this from where we are in the Torah portion, right? not the Genesis <laughs> portion, but you know, such as the rabbit trails that we do. But anyway, I, you know, I guess maybe all that to say, maybe from this uh, uh, scone stone thing that maybe all of these artifacts that some of which, like you were pointing out, go back to the garden, go back to Adam, come full circle, you know, all, yes. all the way back around. And that's why so. various people throughout antiquity, having some knowledge of this, have desired to acquire these things and possess them and use right. them. Right. Yeah, I, I do agree. Uh, I just want to read that passage that I'm, uh, I keep mentioning um, so that people will see the connection. Uh, but Revelation 19:13 it says, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and this, again, I believe is associated to the coat of many colors that was given to uh, Joseph. And, uh, and, and the, his the, name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so I do believe this is the fulfillment of what is the prophecy and the history of the vestures of light or the garments of power and the rod of wonder, the staff of God. You know, it's again, it's one of these things like the the Bible is a living book. I mean, you can Mm -hmm. read the same thing a hundred times and, and not see right. something and then one day it just pops out at you or you know you see something different than you, s- you saw before like I guess I just always assumed that 
you know, he comes clothed in white and then his, his vesture becomes uh, soaked with blood because, you know, he's wiping people out at the Battle of Armageddon, I guess is sort of the way I've always yes. looked at it. But that's not what it says right here. Go figure, right? It says, verse uh, right. 11, And I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he sat upon him, was called Faithful and True. In righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire, and his head on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. This is like heaven has just opened here. He he hasn't yet right. he hasn't yet touched down. So he's yes. he's dep- I never noticed that until literally just now. He he's just departed to heaven, wearing the vesture that's already dipped in blood. Yes, yes. And by the way, yes, the yes. next verse is the armies which were in heaven followed behind him on white horses. That you mm-hmm. know the pre-tribbers think that that's us. We get we get raptured out before all the events of Revelation. By the time we get here. You know, we're following him on white horses. I'm like, uh, since first of all, since when is a bride an army? The <laughs> bride is never in the army, number one. Uh, number two, the, arm, uh-huh. the armies of heaven are the hosts of heaven, and the hosts of heaven are the stars of heaven. So right, the st- right. stars are hosts and hosts are armies. That's not us. Th- this is right. This is the, the stars of heaven, I believe. Or, or when he when the sky dome opens, the stars of heaven are going to follow in behind him in formation. Yes. You know, right. uh, with whatever other armies were up there beyond the dome uh, yes. coming, but I didn't notice until you just pointed it out that he's leaving heaven wearing the garment that's already dipped in blood. Wow. Yes. Right. And again, I you know when you track down the history of the garments of power and you learn of its connections to the story of Joseph and how his brothers, um, you know, killed the kid and dipped it his coat of many colors and in the blood that's the association the connection with the return of the messiah wearing these same garments and he shall rule them with a rod of iron yeah interesting i don't know man that's some interesting stuff i mean i mean it goes back to is this something new here that's just being dropped on us or is this the the payoff of what is foreshadowed going all the way back to Genesis? And I think you're making the case that this is this is these are artifacts that have been foreshadowed for us going all the way back to Genesis. Right. And it even says that they were made before the foundations of the world hmm. and but given to Adam when he was cast forth from paradise when he took on mortal form. Uh, you know, in the day that you eat thereof, you shall die. And so when he was placed under the authority of death, he was removed from paradise because that's the place of the righteous and the place of the immortals. And then placed here on the earth with the other devils and demons that had already been cast out and also placed under the authority of death. Uh, they have a 7,000 year duration, you know, until mm. the the second death. For them. Wow, fascinating stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think so. I had a thought, but it came and went. So <laughs> it seems to happen more and more these days. I don't know why. Um, well, I guess we could go back to uh, Genesis twenty-seven then. See what uh, sounds good. What comes up next? I'm making I'm making a note for myself here to put in the description. So. Uh, we don't get lost next time around. Um, yeah, yeah, good idea. 
Okay, so Genesis 27. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison, and make me savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spoke, uh, spake to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison, and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, and make me savory meat, that I may eat, and bless thee before the Lord, before uh, my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock, and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, East my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Bring upon me be thy curse, thy, my son. Only obey my voice, and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his father, uh, to his mother. And his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And he came to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, thou, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, and my soul bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat. And he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now, and kiss me, my son. And he came near, and kissed him. And he smelt the smell of his raiment, and blessed him, and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God give thee the dew of heaven, and the fatness of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's son sons bow down to thee. Cursed be every one that curses thee, and blessed be he that blesses thee. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. 
And he also had made savory meat and brought it unto his father and said unto his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac his father said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn, Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it to me and have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him? Yea, he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants, and with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also. O my father, and Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and the dew of heaven from above. And by thy sword shalt thou live and shalt serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. And these words of Esau, her, and these words of Esau, her elder son, were told to Rebekah, and she sent and called Jacob her younger son, and said unto him, Behold, thy brother Esau is touching thee, doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee thou to Laban my brother, to Haran, and tarry with him a few days, until thy brother's fury turn away, until thy brother's anger turn away from thee and he forget that which thou hast done to him. Then I will send and fetch thee from thence. Why should I be deprived also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? Interesting story there. You know, and it shows um, that words really mean things. You know, especially in those days, right. it's like you know. In our days, we're like, "What's the big deal?" You know, just give him another blessing, right? You know, it's like, so what? Mm-hmm, right. So, yeah. you, so you said this to your brother. Who cares? Tell me something else. You know that there was something. I mean, it's almost like there's a supernatural aspect to it that once that blessing goes out, it can't be withdrawn and and it can't be contradicted. Right. right. Or passed on to somebody else. Yeah, and and I would point out that. This is the point where Jacob's trouble begins. When Jeremiah mm-hmm. wrote of the last days, he said it is even as the day, uh, the time of Jacob's trouble. And Jacob or uh, Jeremiah didn't write this in the context of how Lindsay, Tom Horn, or anybody else that you know out there talking and about you know modern eschatological terms. He was writing in the context of the Torah. So the only the mm-hmm. only frame of reference that Jeremiah would have had for the time of Jacob's trouble would have been whatever was written about in the Torah, as would his listening audience. You know, because the Torah, I maintain, the five books of Moses were the Bible of the people in the Bible. And so that's why the prophets are always referring back to it. So 
if that be the case, we see later on in the text after Jacob finally has his time with Laban uh, completed, he, he says like two or three times, he says, these 20 years have I been with you and you've been jacking my wages. You, you know, I wanted Leah and you gave me, you know, I wanted Rachel, you gave me Leah, uh-huh. you know, all this stuff. Yeah. And he repeatedly says, you know, that this time of his affliction lasted 20 years. So again, coming off of the old page of looking at scripture through modern lenses, going, just going back to, well, he's re- he's declared the end from the beginning. So yes, the tribulation period we read about in revelation uh, there's a, there's two three-and-a-half-year periods, in my opinion, that are described there. Some say it's one. I think it's two. Uh, so I subscribe to the seven-year tribulation period. But whatever the case may be, whether it's three-and-a-half right. or seven, both are within the 20, according to Jeremiah. Uh-huh. So I don't think of the last days in terms of one year, three-and-a-half years, or seven years. I think in, t- in terms of the last days being 20 years, with the last seven and the last three-and-a-half getting progressively worse, you know, uh-huh. within that time period. Yeah, um, well, again, it would make sense to me that, uh, well, it does make mention of, you know, this um, in Scripture as well. And we see always a repeat, uh, same as as in the days of Noah, you know. So um, certainly the things that happen in the early part of the, the story of the patriarchs and the prophets and even the uh, nation of Israel um, seem to repeat later on in history as well. And so in some manner, the themes and the concepts that are interwoven into Scripture do have a way of circulating uh, and, you know, coming back around in the latter days. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, uh, he must have been one seriously hairy dude for them to, like, right. she, and and they were working pretty quick. She's like, go out there and kill the the goat or lambs or whatever he was out there killing, uh, two kids of the goats. Okay, go out and kill two kids of the goats. So he goes out and kills them. She's preparing the meat and skinning them and everything. And then she's, oh yeah, just put that on and you know, be a hairy Esau to your, mm-hmm. to your father. Right, yeah. That you know, I, right. I I had a goat once, and you know that's uh, some very coarse uh, hair, and. Mm-hmm. I mean, for that to pass for Esau, Esau must have been like Bigfoot or something, man. Like, yeah, right, dude. Yeah, seems to mention him as as such. You know, hair all over his body, like a wolf man. Yeah, type. <laughs> well, that's an interesting thought. You know, what if he was like? You know, I'm not talking necessarily lycanthropy, but that there yeah. there was uh, like the was a Barnum and Bailey circus. They had the the, mm-hmm. the the dog man, you know, that, that there's right. some kind of genetic disorder that makes you, I mean, even your whole face is covered. It's not just a beard, yes. like your whole face is hair, right. hair everywhere. That, you know, maybe mm-hmm. the Esau was something like that. Yeah, could very well be. Uh, there are still, you know, people that have that genetic disposition in this day and age. And so, um, yeah. Certainly, it was enough that it's mentioned over and over and over in different parallel accounts about him. So, yeah, and it's it says it's in verse sixteen. Uh, she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. So, I can assume that that's like 
you know, coming off the back of his neck or whatever, like, you know, he had a hairy back because mm-hmm. he's wearing garments. Right. She puts garments on him that she, you know, she went to Esau's closet, right. I guess, or whatever wardrobe and pulled out some of his clothes that smelled like the field. So he would have touched that his... That was the garments of power. Oh, really? Um, that... Yeah. Oh, that, oh. They, yeah, because it mentions it in the Targum that the clothes that she gave him were the garments of power that Esau had brought and hid. And Rebecca had seen being vigilant and watching for his return. She had seen oh. where he had placed them. Oh, you got and time so to, you got time to read them. that. You want to read that? About 10 minutes? Uh, or do you have it ready? I don't know if it's in this part. Um, I can just read the next chapter and it might be in oh. that. Okay. Uh, but it's in my book and, I'll definitely have it ready for the next one, but I'll just, I'll read this chapter, uh, and I think it is mentioned in there. Cool. I'll just skip to 27 where that, where that chapter is. The Targum, Targum version of Genesis 27? Yeah, Genesis 27, all right. And it was when Itzak was old and his eyes were darkened from seeing, because when his father was binding him, He had seen the throne of glory, and from that time his eyes had begun to darken, that he called Esau his elder son on the fourteenth of Nisan, and said to him, My son, behold, this night they on high praise the Lord of the world, and the treasures of the dew are opened in it. And he said, Behold, I am. And he said, Behold now, I am old, I know not the day of my death, but now take thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go forth into the field and take me venison and make me food such as I love and bring to me and I will eat that my soul may bless thee ere I die and Rebecca heard by the Holy Spirit as Isaac spake with Esau his son and Esau went to the field to take venison to bring it and Rebecca spake to Jacob her son saying behold this night those on high praise the Lord of the world and the treasures of the dew are opened in it and I have heard thy father speaking with Esau, thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me food, and I will bless thee in the presence of the Lord before I die. And now, my son, receive from me what I command thee. Go now to the house of the flock. Take from me thence two fat kids of the goats, and for the Pasuka, and one for the oblation of the feast. And I will make of them food for thy father such as he loveth, and thou shalt carry to thy father, and he will eat that he may bless thee before his death. And because Jacob was afraid to sin, fearing lest his father might curse him, he said, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will fill me, and I shall be in his eyes like one who derideth him, and bring upon me a curse and not a blessing. And she said, If with blessing he bless thee, they shall be upon thee and upon thy sons. And if with curses he should curse thee, they shall be upon me and upon my soul. Therefore receive from me and go and take from me, take for me. And he went and took and brought to his mother, and his mother made food such as his father loved. And Rebekah took the pleasant vestments of Esau, who elder son, which had formerly been Adam's. Mm. See, wow. yeah, that's a, so it was the garments of power. Wow. But which that day Esau had not worn. But they remained with her in the house, and Mm. with them she dressed Jacob, her younger son, and the skins of the kids she laid upon his hands, 
and the smooth parts of his neck, and the food and the bread she had made, she set in the hand of Jacob, her son. And he entered unto his father and said, My father. And he said, Behold me, who art thou, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done as thou spakest with me. Arise now, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said to his son, What is that that thou hast found so soon, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God hath prepared it before me. And Isaac said to Jacob, Come near now, and I will fill thee, my son, whether thou be my son Esau or not. And Jacob drew near to Isaac his father, who touched him, and said, This voice is the voice of Jacob. Nevertheless, the feeling of the hands is as the feeling of the hands of Esau. But he recognized him not, because his hands were hairy, as the hands of Esau his brother. And he blessed him, and he said, But art thou my son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Draw near, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he approached him, and he ate, and he had no wine. But an angel prepared it for him from the wine which had been kept in the grapes from the day of the beginning of the world. Hmm. And he gave it into Jacob's hand, and Jacob brought it to his father, and he drank. And Isaac his father said, Draw near now, and kiss me, my son. And Jacob drew near and kissed him. Wow. Uh, well, wow, that was... pick it up <laughs> next week. All right. Another awesome show, man. But at least I was able to catch yeah. that part. Yeah, good show, brother. Very cool.